1: This is Good good Morning Liberty.
0: Well, what is up,
2: all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate. Doing the intro on Skype. Man, let me tell you what, that is weird. We are still in lockdown mode right now. Not allowed to leave our houses. Police posted at every doorway. There's no way that we could ever get out. Charlie... You had a fever yesterday, so this is really all your fault.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Armed National Guard has made its presence known. Yeah, they've
2: been out there uh, making threats, you know, as usual. Uh, So, yeah, we're just stuck here, and uh, it's probably safer for everyone. Maybe it's safer.
0: Look, I want to apologize for yesterday's episode. I am not. I'll, I'll be the first to admit I'm not an audio engineer here. When it comes to audio, Nate is way better at it than I am. Now, I'm better at other things like being tall, like I'm taller than he is. <laughs> but you guys don't see that. You hear it. You don't
2: hear how tall Charlie is <laughs> no, every day.
0: No. That's true. So Nate's uh, way better at audio. We've we're working on fixing some of what I did yesterday. So uh, we'll get that hopefully corrected. And then Nate's come up with some good ideas for video. So all you Patreon supporters out there, have no fear. By tonight, hopefully we'll get that worked out, and then tomorrow we'll have that for you. So that would be nice. We're, it?
2: we're actually about to stream live here in a second. Uh-oh. I'm working on it He's as we it.
0: work on this. As we are recording right now.
2: As we're recording, I'm finagling <laughs> all the ways that we can do this uh, real quick. So, Charlie, so got tell them. Talk,
0: yeah. Well, yeah, we got a lot to talk about today. Again, uh, more coronavirus stuff. The stock market is on a surge right now. I have no idea how much money the Fed's pumping in, but it's got to be a lot, because the Dow has sprung up almost 10%. It's uh, back up to, right now, sitting at 20,400 points. Uh, it bounced off the 8, 000, or 18,200. Now, if you if you are a long-time listener, you'll remember, about two weeks ago, Nate had made a prediction.
2: <laughs> it's a long-time
0: listener. Pretty good, yeah, you two-week <laughs> listeners, for all you yeah. two-week listeners here. They made a pretty good prediction and said, hey, we could see a bounce off of when President Trump took office, somewhere around the, you know, the 18,005, 18,002, somewhere in that range. I can't remember exactly what he said. I think he said it was closer to 18,005. I, However, I
2: said 18,3, I said at least eighteen five. That's what I was going for. Right. And it hit yeah.
0: eighteen two, so a little bit lower than that. But if you would have bought the bounce on that, you still saw about. What was it? A two thousand point gain so far. That's so, pretty
2: decent little gain.
0: Yeah. So it bounced right off the level Nate picked, and like I said, right now sitting at twenty thousand four hundred points. So that's almost a ten percent gain from close yesterday. Um, and so that's a that's a pretty big deal right now. Now we have um, we have lots to talk about in regards to the market, and also the stimulus package that's going back and forth. Of course, Democrats are blaming, blaming Republicans. Republicans blaming Democrats. And all the while, we've been telling you the whole time, neither side cares about you. And that's exactly what's happening. Democrats are saying, "Ah, there's too many corporate bailouts. Then Republicans are saying the Democrat bill is god awful, by the way. I mean, it's just absolutely. It's disgusting. I'm sure the Republican bill isn't great, but at least they're not trying to stick a whole bunch of pork in there. We've got a great video from Ted Cruz of all people coming out. Uh, coming out, I'm gonna play for y'all, and it's going to be a really good episode today. I'm excited. So welcome all of our long time listeners and our short time listeners, the new fans that we've got. It's been cool just to see the numbers go up. We posted last night when I posted our show, we had the highest audience count to date, and that'll probably be the same thing when I post tonight. um and so it's it's really cool to see all that happening, so please. Subscribe to the show. We see a 92% subscription rate. So you other 8%ers out there, we're talking to you. Hit that subscribe button or the follow button on Spotify. It doesn't matter. Whatever your favorite podcasting app is that you're listening to right now, you hit that subscribe or follow button. That way, every single show comes directly to your feed. It's just automatic. As soon as I post it, it literally takes sometimes five minutes, but within 30 seconds to five minutes it's right there isn't that right it's basically
2: magic i mean yeah there's really no way to explain it it goes up in the space it comes immediately down to your phone it's just a marvel of modern science is all it is is what this good morning liberty podcast is so you want to make sure that you are subscribing to that and it's for sure it's It's so free it's
0: free well you got to buy the phone but you have to buy the phone. Yeah, That is kind of one of the things that you have to do. That's the app, true. The app and us taking the time to research and record this for you, it's all free.
2: Yeah, very true.
0: Hey, so we are what actually is- live
2: right now. Um, I have not been able to post it to our Patreon yet. And good Lord, I feel like I'm flying a spaceship right now. So it's a—it's uh, pretty difficult having to do all this in one screen. But we we are, in fact, live, although I don't know if the sound is going out to the video. Let me see. Uh, real quick, the sound of both of us. Yeah, got to work on that. So cool anyway, though. you're a wizard. You're a master. You're right. a master of wizardry. You know, last night I just was like, hey, I feel like my computer runs a little bit slow, so I ordered some RAM for my computer. Grab some RAM. I just the cracked open the Hemi. I got a Hemi in it. Just cracked open the back of the computer and just shoved a new piece of RAM in there. And uh, hey, that was pretty. That was pretty good. I bet you phone, watched a YouTube video. I watched a. I, my phone told me how to do it, so I got on YouTube. Uh, that's exactly what I did, and come to find out, that's it's not a bad strategy. I Isn't mean, it tells how you how works. to do it. The first video I looked at said, take those three screws out, and then um, and then push that back there, and then put those screws back in. So I feel like I could have charged someone a bunch of money for that. You could have. Just telling you. You should I feel like I could have charged that. a lot. Yeah. Um, so let's, uh, let's get to this news. This very first story that we have in here. I don't really have the mental capacity to throw together all this live stuff right now. Just so you know, we'll have to, we'll have to queue it up for tomorrow. Um, sorry, patrons, sorry, patrons, but, uh, we'll get it going tomorrow. You have to understand, you know, crisis and all. So let's uh, go through this news. This is from the intercept. And this is coronavirus treatment developed by Gilead Sciences granted rare disease status, potentially limiting affordability. Now, I saw Bernie Sanders, This a backstory on this, saw Bernie Sanders tweet this article. And he said that we must not allow anyone to charge money for this drug, that it must be free. This drug must be free for people. It's got to be done for no money. So let's read through the article, and then we have to differentiate between the idea behind things like medicare for all and in the idea of things actually being done for free for no payment whatsoever like those are different things they're they're very different so from the intercept on monday afternoon the food and drug administration granted gilead science sciences orphan drug status for its antiviral drug rems what is that remdesivir I would yeah say sure
0: remdesivir
2: Remdesivir, okay. The designation allows the pharmaceutical company to profit exclusively for seven years from the product, which is one of dozens being tested as a possible treatment for COVID-19, the disease caused by the new coronavirus. Experts warn that the designation reserved for treating rare diseases could block supplies of the antiviral medication from generic drug manufacturers. And provide a lucrative windfall for Gilead Sciences, which maintains close ties with President Donald Trump's task force for controlling the coronavirus crisis. Joe Grogan, not number one podcast owner, Joe Grogan, who serves on the White House Coronavirus Task Force, lobbied for Gilead from 2011 to 2017. And now he's on the White House Coronavirus Task Force. This is the free market. The Orphan Drug Act is for a rare disease, and this is about as extreme opposite of a rare disease you can possibly dream up, said James Love, director of Knowledge Ecology International, a watchdog on pharmaceutical patent abuse. They're talking about potentially half the population of the United States, said Love, adding it's absurd that this would happen in the middle of an epidemic when everything is in short supply. So I I wanted to go through a little bit of what's, what's going on here first off. So I, I, to be understood correctly, I do believe rem remdesivir is a current medication that already exists, right? This is not some new thing do I have that right, Charlie? No, let me look it up. Let's look that up the way they're wording it because I've seen them running through a lot of uh, existing medications to see if they will work as treatments for the coronavirus. So they've been running through that now. This is a little bit different than if they're throwing a bunch of money into creating a completely new medication. So while Charlie looks that up, we'll have to make the we'll have to talk about the difference between whether or not they are creating an all new medication or whether or not this is a medication that already exists. Are there already generic suppliers of this drug and what what is the case as far as that goes? So we want to check that out because. If this is a medication that already exists and there are already generic versions of this medication, then this is an absolute blatant disregard for any type of free market whatsoever, which, hey, what do you know? It's the U.S. healthcare system. So uh, what else would you expect? It's not as if they went out and they created this new medication. It would be a medication that's already existing. It would be a medication that's already got generics for it. So Charlie, as soon as you figure that out, We'll figure out which scenario this is, whether or not it already exists.
0: So it looks like it was created originally for Ebola virus. So it's not really giving me a date, Um, but I know the tests go back as far as uh, the background here. On October 9th, 2015, the United States Army Medical Research Institute of Infectious Disease, the USA MRIID, announced encouraging preclinical results that the GS573 a 5734 compound had blocked the Ebola virus in monkeys. The West African Ebola virus epidemic lasted from 2013 to 2016. Um, Let's see. The initial screening of the Gilead sciences compound library to find molecules with promising antiviral activity was performed by scientists at the CDC. As a result of this work, it was recommended that this compound should be further developed as a potential treatment. Um, it looks like no one else has the ability to create this comp, this specific compound. It's okay. Uh, it's Gilead Sciences fifty seven thirty four.
2: So one of the things that Gilead is really good at doing is finding new ways to extend patents for drugs that they have oh, manufactured. Well,
0: here's a good one right here. Laboratory tests suggest remdesivir, remdesivir, is effective against a wide range of viruses, including SARS, uh, COVID, the first one that happened, uh, what was that, 20 years ago? In MERS, the coronavirus the the in the Middle East, uh, the medication was pushed to treat the West African Ebola virus epidemic of 2013-2016. So it seems like it actually has been around a lot longer, uh, or maybe they were just testing it on those viruses uh, post. So this is the problem. The, there's two things
2: here. One, I do think that when you are a drug company, and you spend billions of dollars manufacturing a new drug, that you should be able to get a legal protection so someone cannot immediately steal your work and create that drug, because then you lose the incentive for people to spend billions of dollars uh, investing to create that medication. So that's one thing. Now the problem is, they've already created this medication. And the way that this works out with the FDA, as I can understand it, is as they get approval for it to be used for something else, they get a new seven-year patent on that same drug. And then if they say it will work for this other thing, they get a new seven-year patent for, for this for this illness. And the problem is that is outside of the idea of what a patent is supposed to do. Like a a patent is supposed to make it to where you can invest, you can take a big risk, and you can try to create something. And then once you've created it, you get a little bit of time where no one else can knock you off, where you can actually try to recoup some of your profits off of it. That's, That's just always been the case, and it should be the case. You have to ask yourself, why would you spend billions of dollars if as soon as you finished it, someone else could just immediately knock you off? why would you do it? Everyone would just wait for other people to create the medications and no one would create any medications. That's, that's what would actually happen. The problem is this is not what's happening. This is a drug that was already created. And so getting a new patent, a new seven year patent to block out generic people based on it potentially being approved for a coronavirus treatment, even though it's already an existing medication is outside of the idea of what a patent law is supposed to do, which is allow you to be able to recoup some of your investment that you made. So it's, it's very different. Like this is the kind of cronyism that goes on within this entire prescription drug market where they're going to take a medication that already exists And maybe the patent on it was going to run out in a couple of years because they created, I mean, you see stuff from 2015. So maybe the patent was going to run out in a few years, something like that, where some generics could come in and create this. Well, now that they can maybe get it approved for coronavirus, well, they get to extend that patent for a little bit longer for coronavirus. And that's it's literally the FDA allowing legal monopolies on things when they wouldn't otherwise exist. So it's just it's a little backwards. But then there's the other side of this argument. There's the completely incoherent economic side of this
0: argument, which, of course, is always brought to us by Bernie Sanders. So we have that part too. You want to read some? You want to hear some cool things that's happening so far with coronavirus with this drug?
2: What's up with Which it? I think
0: it's cool how smart people are that can invent these kind of things. I mean, how much would you pay to save your life? That's one question we have to ask. Uh, in late January 2020, rem, uh, remdesivir, 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 or remdesivir, Sorry, I don't know what exactly how to pronounce it, but I'll figure that out. Can Maybe they just start naming medications remdesivir. like?
2: They like this is medication Mike.
0: Yeah. Like let's just call it John. You know, something like that. These these names are just ridiculous. Remdesivir. That's what I'm gonna go with. It was admitted to the first US patient to be confirmed and infected with SARS COVID two, which is COVID nineteen, in uh S- snohomish County, Washington. That one's hard too. For <laughs> compassionate use, by the way. After he progressed to pneumonia, while no broad conclusions can be made based on the single treatment, one single treatment, the patient's condition improved dramatically the next day and he was discharged. (laughs) Okay. Uh, On the 17th of March, 2020 Remdesivar was provisionally approved for use for COVID-19 patients in a serious condition in the Czech Republic. Again, while no broad conclusions can be made based on the single treatment results of Remdesivar treated of an Italian COVID-19 patient in Genoa, a 79-year-old, were um, uh, they were described as successful on the 18th of March, so a day later. Other okay. patients also received the treatment, which the results are not known yet. On that date, the WHO, not the band, the World Health Organization, <laughs> announced the launch of a large four-arm pragmatic clinical trial called the Solidarity Trial that includes one group of patients treated with remdesivir. On March 20th, President Trump announced remdesivir is now available for compassionate use. Now, what compassionate use means is that you can use a drug that's not FDA approved. Um, and so, so, you know, it's like, okay. hey, this isn't FDA approved, but we're going to allow you to take it, <laughs> which is weird that you had yeah. to have that. But anyway, three days later, Gilead suspended access to to remdesivir, remdesivir for compassionate use, except in cases of critically ill children and pregnant women. For reasons related to supply, citing the need to continue to provide agent for testing and clinical trials. So they've got clinical trials going on right now in China, um, in the Czech Republic. And they've also got this solidarity trial uh, with the World Health Organization. Um, and so, but so far, it seems that every time they've used it on humans, it's worked.
2: Interesting. Kind of cool. Well, that's good news. Yeah. I like that kind of news. It's the kind of stuff that we can get behind. It means we're all going right to die. Yeah, I mean that's that's good. I, we're still <laughs> against death. Like good morning liberty. I, I think I put it on their website the other day, but one of our strong things that we're against is is death. Yes. So we I we do like it. I wrote in my diary this
0: morning. Yeah, yeah. very serious. Every day I write it and I'm like, "Ah, Charlie is against death." Yeah. And poverty. I mean, and poverty, both yeah. of them. Death and poverty.
2: I'm and against bad people, education.
0: I'm against bad education. Yeah. I,
2: yeah. I'm against people being too poor to get by. Yep. Yeah, you know, I'm against it. I'm I don't really. Like it.
1: I'm so, really against it. It's important well, that we to,
2: get those policy positions out there. But this is the Bernie Sanders argument, the thing. So he said, "This is what he said." Now listen, he wants this to be free. He said we should, we cannot allow them to get this patent. Now, while I disagree with some of the finagling that Gilead does to be able to get these patents, now we need to at least discuss the conversation of whether or not this should just simply
0: be free. Well, because most of the, the <clears throat> the whole status gets set by the FDA and we disagree with the FDA on, on premise anyway, that it's too much regulation from the government inside the free market. You yeah. Know? Now my stance on this is I think I, where I disagree with a lot of libertarians is your intellectual property because you own yourself, you should own your intellectual property. People shouldn't just be able to rip it, you know, to begin with, right? Like you came up with it. You spent the, either you spent the years becoming smart enough, to develop that, or you spent uh, a lot of brain power processing that, or maybe you just got lucky and you were smart in there, uh, whatever the case may be, or you spent a ton of money, whatever it was to come up with that, you used your time. And so I think that you, because you own yourself, you should be able to sell that time to people and the value of what the market's willing to pay for it. And people shouldn't just be able to come in and rip you off right off the bat. You know, that's why I, I disagree with a lot of libertarians because- As someone who produces intellectual content, um, I get to charge for that. You know, like the code that I write and the things that I do for my everyday life, um, you know, a lot of stuff we give away for free, like this podcast. But a lot of stuff, a lot of knowledge that you have, Nate, knowledge, knowledge that I have on different things, like you are able to sell that because we spent years building it up. And why should somebody come in and just get it for free?
2: You know, we also I think this is close to us because we're also former we're musicians. musicians. Exactly. So that that's important as well and we know. You
0: remember how long it took to write song 1?
1: <laughs> I do. It took Back a long we time like 18, to write song years
0: 1. Old? That's
2: just you know like Charlie one of our first bands. We didn't name the songs We We just called them song one, song two, song three. (laughs) Like that's just something that we called them. Well, because it was,
0: it took us a long time to come up with the names.
2: (laughs) It did. Like we couldn't even come up with the names. The names are really long. the The name of the very first was it wasn't the first song. I can't remember which one it was, but we had one called "The Weather Outside Is Weather." Yeah, um, which was which is really cool. Um, But anyway, like we know what it's like to write. Something and to have some type of intellectual property, it's not like a physical thing, you know. It's not like a a tangible thing that you created or you invented, but you wrote something. You spent the time, you spent the investment, being able to do that. And I think that that kind of thing also it it needs to be protected like all other property rights. So anyway, that's the kind of thing you get from these drugs. Okay, that's that's what you get when you allow these people to have a patent for a little bit, because if if, as soon as you spend $2 billion creating the medication, someone else can get the pill and then break it down and measure it and then create it, then why would you ever spend the time doing it? If you're the one fronting all of that cost, yeah, I do think you should get some legal protection for a few years. I do. But it, it, it's it's gotta be reasonable and it can't just be simply because the same medication was approved for a different treatment. So now you get a new approval. That's like the that's problem. completely
0: different. That's, that's the completely problem is the new approval. And, yeah, the, and so the
2: reclassification. Here's the difference with what Bernie's saying. Bernie is saying that this needs to be free. Now all we're seeing here is that coronavirus is that coronavirus could be treated by this medication that Gilead Sciences has. And he's upset. And we are live by the way, Charlie. I did go ahead and get that going. Nice. Um, So he's upset because he wants it to be free, obviously. That's his his thing. But whenever we talk about Medicare for all, you know, you can get this common argument where people are like, well, who's going to pay the – like you just expect all the people to work for free all the time? Like how do you expect all these workers, all these healthcare workers to work for free? And then, of course, all of the the socialists, the people on the liberal left, well, they're like, well, we don't actually want them – to work for free. That's not what we're talking about. We just want it to be free at the point of sale for people. We just don't want we want it to be free to the people that use it. And when you make that argument, what you're saying is we still want the people performing the task to get paid for their services, just like they're getting paid right now. And that's the argument they will make when they're talking about Medicare for all. We don't want them to work for free. That's not what we're saying. We want them to still get paid for their services. We want doctors to get paid. We want all these people to get paid. We just want it to be free for people who can't afford it. And then you come in and you have a, a company that has manufactured a drug that could be used for coronavirus. And he's out there saying, we can't allow people to charge money for this. So which way is it? Because if you want it to be free, are you talking about free at the point of purchase for people, meaning that the government should subsidize the cost of it and it should be free to you technically, even though it's going to come out of your tax money? So don't be an idiot. So it's going to be free to you in some kind of way that you feel like it's going to be free? Or do you actually mean that people should do all of this labor and make all of this investment and produce things for no money? Like which one are we talking about? I need to know which one he's talking about. Because if he's talking about free health care, if he's talking about free medications, and he literally means that you should be forced to produce things and you should not be able to charge any money for your services, then I we need to put out the word, but Bernie Sanders is one of the oldest remaining slaveholders in America.
0: Well, that's exactly so, what he wants to do. And, you know, he – Bernie is against profit. Like somehow profit's a bad thing. Profit's not a bad thing. Profit leads – The development of drugs like this, that when we have a pandemic, we don't have what happened to us in 1918 with the Spanish flu, with the H1N3. We don't have what happened to us back then because a a company like Gilead Sciences, Sciences, regardless of their motivation for pursuing that greedy profit, has developed a drug that may cure people. This 79-year-old woman who had pneumonia, who was on the brink of death. And in one day she took the treatment and in one day cured. Oh, now they don't now they don't know the broad studies. We haven't gone through the major clinical trials. We have no idea if she's gonna develop problems later on. But right now, in this emergency situation, like how amazing is that? All for the pursuit of greed, greedy profit, my man. Yeah, just that evil just
2: greedy profit.
0: That's all that is. Saving
2: lives. And the and that's, is, so Go ahead. Yeah. I know you're gonna yeah, I'm sorry I cut you off, but I mean how much how much is your life worth to you? Right. What is it? Is it worth a hundred dollar pill to save your life? You're literally telling me your life isn't worth a hundred bucks. That's insane to me. A car is worth 30,000. Your phone's worth 1,200. Your Netflix every single year is worth 140 now, something like that. You know, your Apple TV, your all of this stuff. But a pill, a medication to save your life is not worth a hundred bucks. People got some really screwed up priorities. And the issue is another well, thing that Bernie says. We all want Bernie a
0: nice, say- big, beautiful house like yours, Nate. That the place That's, looks nice. Yeah, good-looking nice. shelves. Nice TV shelves hung back up there. Above the
2: fireplace. I built those shelves. Okay. I but you did. That's they're they're pretty nice, <laughs> pretty nice things. So yeah, it's um another thing Bernie says is that he wants it well, no profit. He wants it to be done at cost. And this is something that people don't understand clearly. Once again, if you, I mean things in the Soviet Union were done at cost. Uh, It's just that the cost was three times more than what a car with evil profit on it would cost in the United States. When you're doing things at cost, and this is the problems I have with nonprofit things. I don't immediately think that nonprofits are good whatsoever because all it does is increase the incentive for your cost to be really high. Oh, you're a nonprofit. You we really, don't keep... you can have really
0: high administrative costs and still yeah, be Yeah, really high costs. That's or, the our CEO thing. CEO made $20 million, but we're nonprofit. <laughs> yeah. That's, and, and I'm that's the thing at CEO like, well, pay. I'm not saying I'm mad at CEO yeah. pay. I'm just saying like when the American Red Cross CEO makes a million dollars a year in salary, how much p- good are they actually doing? When that's, and, the Clinton Foundation uses six percent of their donations to go towards actually helping people, and ninety-four percent is eaten up in administrative costs. What do you think the Clinton Foundation is actually used for? It's a cash hey, cow.
2: Yeah. So it's it, it's it's clearly obvious that just simply things being done at cost does not mean it's going to be cheaper, and that's the problem. Because you can tell me that I have to provide my services at cost. Sure, I'll do it at cost. Guess what? The cost just doubled. I'm not going to take any profit on it. But now I have no incentive to be more efficient. I have no incentive to find any ways to have any type of cost reductions whatsoever because I'm getting paid cost for it. So why do I give two craps what the cost is? And that's the issue. You see it in the government all the time. The government's nonprofit, by the way. What's the cost of everything they do? There's no incentive for it to ever be cheaper. So you can't automatically automatically say that Gilead Sciences, because they're going to do things at cost, would mean that the medication will actually be cheaper. That is complete economic illiteracy. And I would expect it from Bernie Sanders every single day. So I don't know why I'm so worked up about it. Yeah. <laughs> but You know, this whole,
0: everything that's going on, you know, we talked yesterday in the show about people blaming capitalism and, you know, it's, uh, what do you say it was viscerally instead of virally? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's plain as day that our shortfalls from this virus, you know, this disease that we can't see, you know, obviously it has to do with capitalism because no one has ever died from a virus before capitalism. So capitalism caused this virus, even though it broke out in communist China and universal healthcare, Italy is having a lot of issues right now. It's capitalist America. It's the greedy corporations that have caused all the death and destruction. We've talked about all that. We've seen the stock market up and down. And that's what I want to talk about real quick before we get into this coronavirus bill. I want to talk to you guys a little bit about the market, uh, because we have seen this giant roller coaster ride. And Nate and I told you guys yesterday that the most human deaths, if you can lay a blame to any cause, has been economics. It's been bad economics. If you go out throughout all of human history, the number one leading cause of death is bad economics. And by the way, it's not capitalism. It's, it's usually slavery, either by, um, by forced physical slavery or by economic slavery, where somebody gets to regulate or make decisions for you or tell you that you're not allowed to do something. For instance, like, you know, there used to be a licensure law in Tennessee where you had to have a license to be able to braid hair. Now tell me, who is that protecting? Is that protecting the consumer? Is that really protecting the consumer? And how many people do you think who lost their job who were really good at braiding hair? And I'm just giving one example here. But follow me on this. They were really good at braiding hair, they lost their job, they got really depressed and maybe they committed suicide. Had they been able to braid hair without having to pay $20,000 to get a cosmetology license or 30000 now. I mean, it's so expensive just to get your cosmetology license. You know, how many people are they keeping out of the market by these ridiculous regulations and bad economic laws? And that's what it is. And that's, how, that's what kills the most amount of people. You can not even, as we said yesterday, not even total up just the deaths from socialism in the 20th century, which it is estimated between, to be between 50 and 100 million people, somewhere around there. I mean, you take any other situation even like a virus let's say and without capitalism without free market economics we wouldn't have the drugs that we do today to be able to combat something like this how many more lives would be lost thanks to bad economics and, and it all boils down to that this is why we take economics so seriously and why you know people ask us they asked us one time like oh you always pick on bernie you got a whole website bernie lies.com that's because bernie is the most economically by far the most dangerous most popular economically illiterate illiterate person in the face of american politics right now yeah he's the full econo-
2: combination he's and, yes he, he's economic illiteracy he's extreme popularity massive platform millions of followers can fill up stadiums and he is completely wrong about everything so that's why we choose to point out things that he says all the time because he is the spokesperson he Bernie Sanders is the new Karl Marx. People will be talking about how, just like we talk about Ron Paul and being the, you know, the 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 father of this new libertarian push, this new liberty push, people twenty years from now, once Bernie is long gone, will be talking about how Bernie Sanders inspired them to be the socialist that they are today. He's going to be someone that people will be talking about for a long time. And, uh, that's why we point out everything that he everything he says. We try to point out the arguments. We make BernieLies.com because we can see the writing on the wall here. He's once he dies, he's still going to be here for another 20 years after that, 30, 40, 50 years after that, he's still going to be here. So this is the same thing as if we made a website that was dedicated to disproving Karl Marx. In my opinion, it's the same thing. Like why are you picking on Karl Marx? Well, because he brainwashed the most amount of people. Okay, so, so now we gotta pick on Bernie Sanders some, because he's the, the newest and greatest brainwasher. So now we've gotta talk about him a little bit. But Charlie, tell me about what's going on politically right now, is the government gonna fix all of this? I mean, we just need to wait for them to fix our problems. And of course, the compassionate and virtuous democratic party who cares about the people and cares about getting people out of this crisis that we're in. Well, they're going to fix this, right? They're
0: going to fix it. Oh yeah, of course they are. <clears throat> um you put up a great meme yesterday from uh that from that democratic uh, is he a senator? Uh, uh representative maybe. What's rep, his name? Rep I think, yeah. A, I can't remember his name. A dim rep.
2: Dim um, rep. Yeah. Well, it's from right here in front of me right here. Um let me see James Clyburn from South Carolina.
0: So if you, we, you know, we talk about you guys paying attention to what's going on behind the scenes amidst panic and emergency. Governments love panic and emergency. They love wartime. They love all these things because it's very easy for them to grab power because people are in a panic and they'll agree to whatever. And right now, both sides are really trying to push their agenda during this. But at the same time, uh, the Democrats way worse. I mean, absolutely atrocious. And in fact, they're not even trying to hide it anymore. The, the Claiborne guy, what did he, what did he say, Nate?
2: He said, uh, this is a tremendous opportunity to restructure things to fit our vision. Oh yeah. Let I me mean, lay it right out there. And you it's, can see in the proposals that they made in this bill, this has nothing to do with helping people out of this crisis. This is the old, what Rahm Emanuel said, which we'll hear Ted Cruz say in a minute. Rahm Emanuel said, uh, you should never let a good crisis go to waste. And this is exactly what they're doing. They're using this crisis to push the same agenda they've always had. And they're going to hold it over people's heads. They're going to say, well, people are in a crisis. You've got to pass it with all of this stuff in it. And if you don't do it, then we're going to tell everyone that you don't care about the coronavirus and you don't care about people who are in a crisis. So you've got to pass it with all this stuff in it. Even and though they, I,
0: even though they voted against the Republican bill yeah, that started in it, the Senate, but you
2: know they have the connection to the most, uh, say, politically unsavvy and irrational base of people that that there would be. So, and the entire the entire media, other than Fox News, so so they'll be able to talk about how, uh, you know, the talking point will be that the Republicans' plan was a handout to big corporations. And that's why they're trying to fix this and trying to make sure that we don't pass this massive handout to big corporations, uh, let alone in the coronavirus bill that they put forward. They are mandating that all airplanes that are in existence will be to zero emissions by the year 2025. That's a very big thing that we need to take care of in this coronavirus legislation right now to get because people- Because the carbon emissions.
0: Money. That's what developed this virus.
2: That's the problem. If it wouldn't have been for all the carbon that it was feeding off of, there's no way it would have ever been able to travel in the air. Right. So we, uh, we've got to get rid of carbon. I'm a, I guess I'm anti-carbon overall, which would just kill everyone. But, um,
0: <laughs> Let's listen anyway. to old, old Ted Cruz here. What's he got
1: to say? As President Obama's chief of staff, never let a good crisis go to waste. Sadly, we're seeing the embodiment of that cynical approach right now. Because all the people out of jobs the Democrats are using to push, what are they pushing for? Changing the emission standards on airplanes. Mr. President, what the hell do the emission standards on airplanes have to do with thousands of people dying and millions of people out of work in the coronavirus epidemic? Don't treat this bill like a partisan Christmas list. And by the way, you know, Republicans, we've got things we would like to advance to, things I believe in deeply. You want to talk about what I'd like to do? I'd like to abolish the IRS. I've campaigned on that all over the country. I'm going to continue fighting for that, but Mr. President, I'm not standing here with an amendment saying as part of this emergency relief, let's abolish the IRS. There's a place for that political and policy discussion. The Democrats are pushing wind and solar tax credits. Mr. President, what in the hell does a windmill have to do with this crisis? Other than there's some Democratic lobbyists getting fat and rich, and they're willing to extort a crisis to try to advance their political agenda. Mandates. On corporate board diversity. So these are Democrats that want a social engineer. Now listen, I actually have a lot of problems with corporate boards. I think we have far too many corporate boards that are docile and do what management wants. That's a serious problem. A lot of discussion about stock buybacks. I'll tell you what I get concerned about stock buybacks is when you have compensation agreements in place that the executives get rich if they get a short term boost in share price. And it ends up hurting the shareholders. So I'd love to see actually more vigorous boards of directors that make sure that you're not creating incentives to gain the stock price. That's a reasonable question. But man- they want to mandate effectively quotas on boards of directors. Mr. President, what in the hell does that have to do with this crisis? The Pelosi wish list wants to restructure the debt for the post office. Mr. President, last I checked, look, our postal workers, they go through wind and rain and snow, but they haven't been laid off. I call upon both sides. Don't play games with this. This crisis isn't going to end tomorrow. It's not going to end the next day. It's going to last for a considerable time. It's going to call, re- require adults to step up and lead. Adults to step up and lead. That's pretty good. That's,
0: that was actually really good. I, I really liked the part in there where he said, you know, I want to abolish the IRS. I've been yeah. calling to abolish the IRS for a long time now. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, I'm not going to put that in the bill, although I'd like to. This isn't the time or place. To put and it that, in the and bill,
2: and that's true. Like, there's any number of things that any of them want. Like, how about constitutional carry across the entire country? Like, what would what would the Democrats say if inside of this coronavirus bill to give to give aid to people, the the Republicans stuck constitutional carry across the whole country? Like, what would people say about it? They would say, oh, well, they're trying to extort this crisis. They're trying to hold over people's head. They're trying to put something that we have to sign. And they're holding people hostage. And they're doing all this, you know, just to get their agenda passed. It would be clearly obvious. I've had such a hard time not just blatantly deciding to vote Republican in the next election. And I don't normally do that. Now, I I, I just, I don't normally do it. But the Democrats have made me despise them so much that they are so much more blatantly evil (laughs) than I can see from any other party. It is, it is so much more disgusting than what I've ever witnessed before in my life, what they're doing right now. The manipulation and the brainwashing is at an entirely new level that I think we've, we've just never seen before. And to do this during a crisis like this, where people, uh, You know, I'm not even saying they need to send out money, but all of the people in Washington are saying that we need to send out money and people aren't working and a lot of people aren't getting checks and they're waiting on the government to do something. And they're asking, when are you going to send out a check? And they stick freaking stuff like wind and solar subsidies in there. Well, not to mention, look,
0: the Democrats had a problem with the Republican bill because it had $500 billion out of 1.8 trillion earmarked for businesses. Now. Nina, I remind you that it wasn't but a week or two ago, we let you guys in on the secret that 99.6% of the 28 million businesses in America are all small businesses. That means they have less than 500 employees. Now the companies that have between 100 and 500 employees out of that 99.6% was something like 1.9%. The, so most 99 or I'm sorry, About 98% of all businesses in the United States have fewer than 100 employees, and half of those, actually more than half, almost 60% of those businesses have fewer than four employees. So when it's a corporate bailout, it's not a corporate bailout. It's to help businesses. Businesses right now, they need tax-deferred payments, which it looks like we're going to get. We need the payroll tax cut, which would be a huge help. The tax cut, you guys talk about the corporate that oh, the 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 business tax cut only help corporations no 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 98% it helped 98% of small businesses to get that that tax cut and just to read a little bit you were going over some of the things that are in the democratic proposed bill now this bill that the republicans introduced that they said was a bipartisan effort in the senate until pelosi flew in on saturday from san francisco from vacation they their senate, the senate bill was voted down 47 47 then they try to do it again Sunday night, late Sunday night, early Monday morning, like midnight, one o'clock in the morning. It was voted down uh, 49 in uh, in favor and 46 against. Um, and they needed 60 to move on to the next phase. They had to get the, the whatever the procedural vote of 60 votes to be able to move it forward. Well, now the Democrats have introduced a bill into the House and it is. By the way, the Republican bill, I think, was about 150 or 200 pages, something like that. Pelosi's bill she introduced into the House is 1,119 pages long. I started going through this thing, but I'm going to give you some highlights. Now, this does come from um, Rachel Bovard. She did some research for me, and I haven't verified all of these, but I have verified some, and they check out. So uh, go read the bill um, if you want to. It's available. You can be, find it on NPR. That's where I was looking at it. They have a copy of the PDF up there. But just a few of these that uh, this that the, the, the Democrats bill, which is by far 30,000 million times worse. What would that be? 30 trillion? <laughs>
2: 30,000 million. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So
0: that's what it'd be. Um, it's it's so much worse. But uh, the let's see uh, one thing it does. The Democrats bill here. Uh, it conducts risk-limiting audits of results of elections. So why would they need to place available grants for limiting audits of results of elections? Why would you want to limit audits anyway from elections? Why is this involved in crisis relief for coronavirus? Nate said, it, uh, and this is one of the things in here, it uh, bails out the Postal Service, which, by the way, what it actually does is it says, on the date of this enactment of this act is hereby canceled. The debt that the United States Postal Service owes the Treasury is just canceled. And then they're just going
2: to increase their yearly debt limit. So they, they have a yearly debt limit. Um, I think it's around $3 billion or something like that that they can take out. As far as their credit, like what they How can much just are they continue in debt? losing. How much is the Postal um, Service I think it's debt. something like 10000000000 uh $10 $10, something like that. Just cancel so they, it. Yeah, they want to write that off, and then they want to increase their yearly limit to fifteen billion. And now the weird part about that, which we're uh, you know skip into that article, is uh, are we for business bailouts or not? Like, I don't know which one this is. Like, here's a <laughs> here's a business that's clearly failing. Uh, you know, FedEx and UPS are doing just fine. Uh, the Amazon Prime is doing just fine out here. Actually, and the post office hiring 100,000 people. Yeah, somewhere. they're hiring people right now. And then <laughs> we get the, the post office that's close on the list of everyone's least favorite place to go in the entire world. And we somehow need to bail them out because they've got all this debt. But then if we talked about another business that people actually liked using, um, well, that would just be a – Crazy corporate bailout now, wouldn't it? that we just we're just too big to fail. We're gonna bail them out, you know, that's crazy. But then we take this business out here that uh, people clearly hate. they got a legal monopoly on your mailbox. it's it's technically not okay for other delivery services to use your mailbox uh, whatsoever. Um sometimes they do. They'll stick it in there, but they're not supposed to. Um, so they get a legal monopoly on the box that's in front of your house. And then they also create themselves an monopoly where you cannot charge less for parcel posts than what they charge. It is illegal for you to charge less for parcel posts than what they charge. And uh, they still can't stay in business. They literally still can't do it. And yet we're supposed to write off all the debt that they have and we're supposed to give them a $15 billion limit extended from what their current $3 billion limit every single year is right now. So no bailouts and, unless it's the post office. Unless it's a government service that people hate. Then yeah. we can bail that out. Yeah. Because... There's no other way we could do things without using the post office. Uh, You know, God forbid we just give it to UPS or FedEx or something like that. Uh, I don't know which one of those you would trust with a very important package. Uh, USPS, UPS, FedEx. Which number do you think USPS is on that list as far as trusting them with an important package? Probably still number 10 somehow. So... (laughs) <laughs> Tell me about some of the stuff that's in. The, I mean, I pulled up a bunch of stuff in yes. this, this article, <clears throat> Dim's see emergency stimulus with outrageous socialist wish, wish list. What you need to know.
0: I've got some more here. Um, you know, uh, Ted Cruz mentioned the corporate board diversity, which is just completely insane. Yeah. The problem we're having right now at corporations is that their boards aren't diverse enough. You know, like when has forced diversity ever worked out? What does that even mean? Like you have to have a certain number of women certain number of people of color. Like what, what does that even mean that that has, this is going to stop the virus, by the way, making sure that our corporate boards have plenty of diversity. Um, The other thing that he didn't mention here, which is part of the same um, statute in this bill is pay equity. The bill says a comparison of pay amongst racial and ethnic minorities. And to the extent possible results, um, disaggregated by entire by ethnic group as compared to their white counterparts and comparison of pay between men and women for similar roles and assignments. What does pay equity have to do with the coronavirus? This Rachel Bovard says, Let's maybe focus on restricting stock buybacks and executive compensation with taxpayer loans and save the woke scolding for later. <laughs> <laughs> like, look, pay equity may be a big dis- uh, issue to you. We've already gone over that. There's not really a disparity. If you go look at the, if you actually compare all of the points, all of the pivot points, <laughs> they're not pivot points. <laughs> if you go compare every single variable uh, by, between like hours worked and the, and the position of pay and the type of job and all of that um, men and women make the same. So there's no, there's no pay equity issue here, but no, we want to sneak it into this bill because never let a good crisis go to waste here. Um, Early voting is in this bill, by the way. So, you know, early voting was going to save us all from COVID-19. Of course, (laughs) SARS COVID 2 early voting, each state shall allow individuals to vote in election for federal office during an early voting period. Which occurs prior to the date of the election in the same manner as voting is allowed in, on such date. It's because some states allow early voting, some states don't. So of course, we need to make sure that everybody can uh, vote early. Uh, vote early, vote often. So it has uh, what they say on the Democratic side. <laughs> vote <laughs> Vote early. Vote three times. Yeah. Make sure you That's send them in from all your different addresses. Yeah. <laughs> now, they also want same-day voter registration that now, didn't course, go well in california the scientist at john hopkins i heard from a microbiologist who served under the president of john Hopkins <laughs> lymphoma university who did a study in the vietnamese region of china's south border and that guy said the way we stop this outbreak is same day voter registration that's, and pelosi heard it from that guy and so Once you have all of those accolades, you know, as it's passed down through generation of generation of, of, (laughs) you know, former uh, hearsay scientists, then you must include it in your bill. And if the Republicans don't vote for it, then they hate poor people. Exactly. And they hate people. (laughs) They want everybody to die from this virus. That's exactly what it is.
2: Does the FDA have to approve same-day voter registration as a as a treatment for coronavirus? That's what I want to know. I don't. I
0: probably. I bet. You know.
2: And if you're trying to pay your mortgage, could you just send them in your voter registration card instead? You know, is that what's going to help pay your bills?
0: I guess. Like yeah. that's the that's the big problem. One thing uh, Cruz forgot to mention in here too is not only. Are they wanting the airlines to fully offset their carbon emissions? Now, this is does this apply to the private planes that Pelosi flies? Is it her private jet? No, it
2: wouldn't apply to any commercial, I'm sure. Just commercial, just for profit people. Yes. They're
0: not only do they want to require them to fully offset their carbon emissions, they also want to make it uh, those that information available so that uh, guests who books flight can look up greenhouse gas emissions from their flights and how much it's going to admit. And Rachel said something really funny here. She said, you know what families who can't work and are struggling to make rent really care about? Being able to look up greenhouse gas emissions from the flights they can't afford to book. Exactly. <laughs> as long as I have those, you know, greenhouse emission facts, like my nutrition facts on my can of soup here, as long as I can look it up, you know, I still can't afford the flight. But at least I can tell how much green gas emissions those other people who can afford the flight are going to have. Ah. Oh. You know, that's really important. And that's, that's the thing. And that's gonna stop COVID. That's another thing that that professor said. You know, when he was doing his study. Where well, was that person said. from? Um well, he used to be a professor at the John Hodgkin's lymphoma <laughs> society. Um it, it started in the south side of Chicago, but it ended now, up now he is
2: he the one that came from that mayonnaise clinic?
0: Yeah, the mayonnaise clinic. <laughs> okay. That's right. That's an right. old uh that's Rochester, Minnesota's. Uh, okay. The land of 10,000 pay lakes. But anyway. <laughs> oh, also. Oh, don't forget because stop the madness here. Um they also want to modify the retirement plans of community journalists. So the <laughs> the special rules for community newspaper plans, making sure that they're retirement minimum their minimum funding standards for community newspaper plans, making sure that their retirement plans are, you know, smooth. Because now this
2: this is one of the biggest problems that I've heard coming out of China yeah. since since uh, this entire pandemic started. The Facebook
0: feed is just well, full of people yeah. complaining about these community newspaper retirement plans. And they're yeah. wondering, oh man, yeah, people are all scared they might die, which is stupid. They should be worried about the retirement plans. Of these newspapers, because that's what's really important.
2: It's just like, you can't make this stuff up. It's crazy, man. And and it's, it's blatantly obvious that this has nothing to do with actually giving people any aid in this coronavirus crisis that we're in right now.
0: My, you know, my socialist libertarian brother, um, pretty funny yesterday, he was telling me how terrible the president was. And I was like, yeah, the Democrats aren't much better. And I sent him all this information. Um, there was a story out of Yahoo, which is, by the way, no right-leaning organization.
2: No. <laughs> and the story
0: no. out of Yahoo said, uh, you know, Democrats block the, um, or I'm sorry, the the he, it was talking about the the Democratic rep that you made a meme out of who uh, said that it James was James trem- Clyburn. Yeah. Who said it was a tremendous opportunity to restructure things to fit our vision. Now that's no right-leaning organization. Yahoo News, I'm sorry, but I sent them all these. And guess what? He started typing and then no response since the president's dumb, but the Democrats aren't dumb too. like, look, they can all be dumb. It's not one side is right and one side is wrong. It's like, could Trump have handled this crisis better? Possibly. I'll give you that. Um, Did he do what he could have done? Possibly. I'll give the Republicans that. So I'll give Democrats both. Like the other thing is, well, what we talk about every single day is not being dependent on government. We shouldn't have to worry about what Trump is doing, whether it's right or wrong. We shouldn't have to worry about these bailouts from Congress. In in all essence, and I'm sorry, Mom, but who gives a shit? I don't care. I don't. What I care about is taking care of me and my family, and not worrying about is Trump going to send me a thousand dollars, or is he going to give five hundred dollars for my kid, or three thousand dollars for this, or whatever? Is he going to bail is out why. the companies? Like, is he this going... is why, by the way. Yeah. Who cares? Who cares? I don't care. I care about people being individually free to make the best decision that they can for themselves and their family. And I care about people being able to survive through a crisis like this without having to be dependent on a massive bureaucratic infighting government that are just playing partisan politics in the middle of a pandemic. And it goes to show how much they actually care about you. It's none. And we've been telling you guys this way before the virus even started. This, yeah, is this is just more
2: proof. We've always been talking about this. They don't I mean, care
0: whatsoever.
2: This has nothing to do. And it's like things like this that feed the whole conspiracy idea about the virus or about the crisis, not about the virus. The virus exists. It, it feeds the conspiracy about the but idea that it. this became. <laughs> so, yeah, I know. <laughs> it feeds the idea that this became such a crisis and a panic because people wanted it to become one. And what else are you led to think? When we are fed all this stuff about how people are suffering and we're going to go into a depression and people can't pay their bills and we have to help people, and then their first piece of legislation is a massive overhaul of the entire U.S. economic system. It's not a $1,000 check for everyone. It's not a $2,000 check for everyone or $3,000 check for everyone. It's... Cancels all debt owed to the, by the U.S. Post Office. It permanently raises the minimum wage of $15 for any business that receives federal aid for COVID-19. Its multi-employer pension bailout lacking uh, neither reforms requires labor union representative on every airline's board of directors. It's a union give, it, it nullifies the White House executive order on federal collective bargaining and codifies taxpayer-funded union official time. Like, this has nothing to do with it. Whatsoever requires all airlines that receive assistance to offset carbon emissions for domestic flights by 2025. You know, all, all this stuff. Student loan forgiveness, $10,000 blanket loan forgiveness for each, for each student everywhere. Like it's the union giveaways. Oh, yeah. They got yeah, got all this union, union giveaways. stuff in there. Uh, includes expansive new tax credit for solar and wind energy. Includes a $1 billion cash for clunkers airplane program where the transportation department buys fuel inefficient planes from airlines in exchange for agreeing to buy new. Fuel-efficient planes, like
1: it's, cash for
0: clunkers for planes. Nice.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm so gonna trade in my plane,
2: by the way. Yeah, it's about time. Mine's got a lot of miles on it, <laughs> so um, <laughs> I've been thinking about doing that. Um, but it's just it, this is what you're told. Like you're told that they're here to protect you. Or they're told that you want to help people during this crisis, and we got to get out checks to people. Bernie Sanders arguing, no, it's got to be two thousand dollars. Actually, it's got to be three thousand dollars. This is this has nothing to do with that. Whatsoever. Look at this. You could have a one or two page bill that says everyone gets a check for $2,000 mailed out in two weeks. And that's all you need. If that's actually what you wanted to do, but that's not what they're interested in doing.
0: What do you got? I didn't see this one. Permanently raises the minimum wage to $15 for any business that receives federal aid for COVID 19.
2: How wow. about that? It's got the minimum wage raise in it.
0: Wow. And what company do you think is not going to receive federal aid or not yeah. take advantage of it? Well, yeah, you're going to we're going to take advantage of free money guaranteed by the federal government. Absolutely. They're going
2: to buy it through the economic shutdown. They're going to force you into a position that you had no choice but to take the aid for it because it's the only money you can get your hands on because no one's allowed to leave their houses.
0: In fact, so you're going to have to take it. I'm not even taking aid. I'm just getting some of my money back. I've, I've already paid in it's not even it's, you know, aid. it's a tax refund it's a, you know how much i've paid in to the system which yeah. am just getting it back less interest i mean you know it's like some of these things oh all the green new deal priorities we were talking about oh it's just it's just sickening it's sickening Student yeah loan forgiveness it's all sick this is sick um what how much time are we on
2: the podcast right now i don't have a uh... I have Quantity no idea,
0: thing. but we can probably I wanted to talk about I saw the article in here for the shareholder uh, suit against Senator Richard Burr. I yeah, want to talk yeah. about that because I wanted to give people more proof. Like if you want more proof of how little the government actually cares about you, it wasn't just, you know, when that first came out, it was Republican Senator Richard Burr. Now there's Diane Feinstein and there's all these Democrats. There's several of them on both sides of the aisle by the way, who sold off their shares based on private information. Now they say they're coming out and saying, well, I was just going off the same news reports as everyone else. You know, I just, (laughs) all those things, you know, that I heard in those private, you know, I just tuned them right out. And I, I wasn't even thinking about my shares. I was thinking about the American people and how we could save them. And then when I, when I checked my phone, after I left the meeting, there was these news reports and I just sold, I just happened to sell all my shares. Yeah, no big deal. I didn't know the crash was coming. I couldn't predict this. And I, I just thought it was funny how it came out that it was Republican Senator Richard Burr and everybody was all up in arms about it. And then all of a sudden, as they started digging into it, there was a Democrat senator, old Diane Feinstein. You know, she did. it <laughs> Yeah, too. that's
2: that's the crazy thing. I mean, that. Uh, they definitely started, you know, Richard Burr has been the number one that, that they've talked about. Now, I do believe he was the one that made the most money off of it uh, overall. So he made the most money. But let's run through this article, just kind of get you guys a little bit of information.
0: This is from Politico. We're right at one hour.
2: Okay. Senator Richard Burr is being sued after selling shares in the hotel company while possessing confidential information about the potential impact of the coronavirus pandemic. Alan Jacobson, a shareholder of Wyndham Hotels and Resorts, sued Burr in federal court on Monday – alleging that the senator used private information to motivate a mass liquidation of his assets. It is illegal for senators to use non-public information in conducting securities exchanges. Burr came under fire after ProPublica reported last week that he had sold between 628,000 and 1.72 million worth of his stock. That is a wide range, by the way. That is a really wide range between 600,000 and 1.72 million. Of his stock holdings in mid-February, while he was still publicly reassuring the country that the United States was amply prepared for the growing coronavirus outbreak, among the shares he sold were an up to $150,000 stake in Wyndham, whose stock suffered a market value cut of more than two-thirds since mid-February. So, I have a, I'm back and forth, I'm back and forth on this. Now, number one, the number one thing I think would pop up would be that. You could say senators and House members should not be able to own stock in uh, companies that are regulated by the government. Um, the other thing you could say is that they should not be allowed to regulate companies. Yeah. <laughs> so that that would be the first thing. Yeah. Like that, so you could make the rule where like they can't own stock and things. I mean, how do you guys think that Nancy Pelosi's net worth went up to $150 million? You know, they've... They've asked her. She, she literally had bought IPOs in businesses that were then given massive grants by the federal government later. People have questioned her a lot about this. Like this is something that happens. This is how people go with a one hundred and seventy five thousand dollar a year salary for 20 years and turn themselves into uh, being worth two hundred
0: million dollars. Like that, that's how this happens. Multi-million yeah. dollars. So which is why I'm surprised you don't want to run for office. I mean, I'm trying to get in there.
2: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't need any inside information to do yeah. this I can do it on my own. So can. It's, that's fine. But it's it, there's a couple things where you could say, well, they shouldn't be able to own stock um, if they're going to be a public s- servant or whatever. But what I would say is that, well, the actual, s- you know, to solve the problem would be that they can't regulate any companies. So you would you would get out the Nancy Pelosi problem right there. But other than that, I'm not sure that I don't know how you bring fault on someone for selling shares uh, based on information that they have. like it it's tough. It's a tough one. What do you think about this? Because you could say like maybe he was withholding information, although there's no way that he would have been allowed to publicly say any of the information that he had. So I don't think he's like blatantly withholding information. But he is selling, stock based on the potential confidential information that he has. Um, well, my question if you're, is, if you're allowed to own the stock, I don't know what else you're supposed to do. Number one, you're not allowed to put out the information and number two, are you just supposed to sit there and hold your stock? So, so it's like, well, I don't, I, I think do that we, what this guy did is dirty and I think it's disgusting and I, this is a massive problem, but I don't know how you legally solve this in this instance is well, what I'm saying.
0: Okay, so this instance, but let's talk about the root cause of the actual problem. Is it the fact that the senator can buy shares of stock? Is that the actual problem? No. No. It's not. Um, Is the actual problem that um, the senator had insider information? No. It's not the actual problem.
2: Well, people have insider information all the time. Like People who work at companies and own tons of stock in companies, I mean – if you know that you're about to have a bad quarter or something like that, I mean, it's illegal for you to tell your friends to short all the stock. But I mean, don't you think these people are not selling their shares, pre-earnings reports and and things like that? I mean, of course you act on that as an owner of a business. Like that's what you are when you own stock. You're an owner of a business. And And that's exactly how Warren Buffett looks like. When you buy stock, you're asking, will I buy this company? for this amount of value. Is that what I would do? And so when you own stock, you're the owner of a business, and of course you're going to uh, take profit, especially if you have any kind of information on the business that you own. And the problem here is that government officials can move markets. Like that, that would be the problem I see, that government officials have the power to move markets. They can receive information and then not have to tell it to the public So they can get a jump on that kind of information. And that's the problem. Like whatever information they had, why didn't the public just readily have that?
0: So you're going exactly to my point, which the point of that is, is that government is too large, has too much power and can have these secret meetings, meetings to begin with. Why wasn't the public informed at the same time the senator was? Why? Why are they trying to because, oh, it would cause a panic like, oh, we're not in a panic right now. Like somehow the senators knowing a few weeks before everyone else did is somehow staved off a panic. Well, no, you just staved off the panic for two weeks. Like you got to know and no one else did when this information should be readily available. And senators, senators doesn't matter. Anybody in government shouldn't be powerful enough to regulate companies like they do. They shouldn't have this kind of power. And if they didn't have this kind of power, we wouldn't even be talking about this. They would share They would sell their shares or they wouldn't. Or everyone would sell their shares at the same time and we would have had the market decline a couple weeks beforehand and we would be in the same place we are now. Except well, some people you, got you talk, to get off a little easier because they created this this enormous, powerful, regulatory government where some people get insider information before everyone else does. And that's yeah, the actual and, cause of the problem.
2: You're looking at insider trading on these stocks and like saying that that's a problem. like. And you're saying, well, you don't want them to cause a panic, so they had to hold this information for a while. Well, what about the insider trading if this guy went to a Sam's Club and bought up all the toilet paper? Like, is that not insider <laughs> trading, too? Why did the government officials get to know about something that's going to cause a panic weeks before everyone else is going to be involved in the panic? Like, what about that insider trading? What about your prepping? What about getting, getting ready for all this stuff? I bet Burr went you to know? the grocery store. He probably went to the grocery store. They probably stocked up. You know, so it's like, that. you know, we look at this in the stock market, but why is it okay for them to have the knowledge that's going to affect the lives of all the human beings and get to decide when they're going to tell us the knowledge that they have as people who are our servants that we sent to Washington to do our work for us, to represent us? They are literally representatives of us. In what way do they get to receive information that then we can't have? like that that's really weird that's how you know it's became something that it was never really meant to be i think what this guy did was was dirty especially uh, in the light that he had uh, you know privy information that was not allowed to be released to other people for a few weeks beforehand uh, i do think it was dirty but i i've never liked insider trading laws i've i've never really liked them i i think anyone who has prior knowledge uh, is going to take actions on that. And the reason, the problem is insider trading is framed in a way where it's like protecting investors. Um, like they're, they're protecting people because they didn't know there was going to be a crash. So basically the insider trading says, well, if everyone else has got to go through a crash, then you got to go through it too. Like that, that's kind of what the insider trading says. So that doesn't really protect anyone. That just makes one more person go through the crash. Uh, The the insider trading rule would do nothing to protect any of the investors or any of the public whatsoever. They would all still just go through the crash. And if the news came out immediately right then, the crash would be right then instead of two weeks later. So this doesn't do anything to protect anyone. Stopping someone from getting involved in a company early doesn't do anything to protect other investors in any kind of way. They still are going to ride the wave that they were going to ride and make their investments that they were going to make. Uh, it just stops one person from being unequal among all those other people. Uh, so that that's there's a difference. It doesn't protect investors; it protects inequality. That's that's what it protects.
0: Yeah, but don't worry. These senators have uh, they've asked the ethics review board to review their se- the, the selling and everything. So I'm sure that'll come out clean. I can't there's wait no to problem. see
2: who's on the ethics review board. <laughs>
0: They, they're uh, they're all saying this is from public information. No big deal. Nothing to see here. It's no big deal. Once again, none of them care about you. They care about them, uh, which is what we try to say. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying there's something wrong with that. We are all selfish in nature, right? We're all self-interested people because we care about ourselves and our family more than we do anybody else. Well, you know, like... It, it, <laughs> I always use the analogy because to me, it's the, especially if you're a parent, because parents know this probably more than anyone else. If your kid was drowning, I'm trying to think of an analogy for everyone else. Maybe come up with one after me, Nate, but if you're a parent, this is an easy one. If your kid was drowning, you're having a, a pool party. You and your neighbors are having a pool party. Everybody went inside except for your kid and your neighbor's kid. And they're both drowning at the exact same time. Now, you, of course, you want to save both of them. You're friends with your neighbors. You, have, you guys have game night every Monday night. You guys have a lot of fun together. You don't want that kid to die. You don't want those parents to be sad. So you want to save both of them. But they're both dying at the same time. Who are you jumping in to grab first? Your own kid or the neighbor's kid? You're like, oh, I decided to sacrifice my kid today so I could save the neighbor's kid first. Like, no, you're not. You're going, by instinct instinctual nature, you're going to save your kid first. And as soon as they're okay, then you're going to jump in and grab the other one. Hopefully they're not dead yet, but that's the analogy for parents. Cause it's easy to make. I don't know of a single person who is so altruistic that they're willing to give up their own kid's life to go save the neighbor's kid. They're, they're not going to do that. You would never do that. You know, when a tornado strikes, you make sure your family is hunkered down and safe in the house. You don't run over to the neighbors and be like, Hey, are you guys all, is everybody in the bunker? Everybody good? Ready for the tornado? Cool. Uh, I'll go, I'll go back to my family now. Like you you're all about protecting you and your family first. Well, and so there's, there's a good analogy for that.
2: there's a good analogy for self-interest. Well, first off, I mean I Ayn, Ayn Rand did a great job talking about self-interest, and the idea would be either everyone puts the interest of themselves first, or everyone puts the interest of everyone else above their own interests. But remember, the the interests of everyone else also cannot be on themselves. It has to be on you. And so no one is ever uh, dependent on themselves or taking care of themselves. Everyone is taking care of everyone else. But for you to be taken care of, you have to be dependent on everyone else also taking care of other people and not taking care of themselves. Like it creates this massive dependency cycle. A good example of that would be Imagine you're in a plane and uh, you lose cabin pressure, the air masks come down. Uh, What is the best thing to do? Is it best for you to go around and make sure that the masks are on all the people around you that need those masks? Like, is that the best thing for you to do? Or is it best for you to put your own on? Because how are you going to help anyone else if you're passed out dead on the floor? How are you going to take care of other people? Great how are you going to How are you going to take care of the people that are the poor? How are you going to take care of the downtrodden? How are you going to take care of the homeless? You're going to take care of single moms if you don't have anything at all. If you've been dependent on other people to take care of you the entire time and you never created anything whatsoever, how are you going to take care of other people if you're dead on the floor? And so that's that's the idea that you have to have. You put your own mask on first and then you take care of other people. Putting your own mask on first is getting your own wealth set up, your own income set up, your own life set up, cleaning your room, and then going out and trying to help other people. And that's all self-interest is. It's making sure that you have the strong foundation that you are actually set up to be able to go out and help other people. Because a homeless person that decides to go out and help the poor is not going to do a very good job. They're just simply not going to. Okay, I'm going to do a lot better job helping more homeless people than a homeless person who has $7 and a half a pack of cigs is going to do being able to take care of other people. And so that's really all self-interest is. And it's 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 looked at as selfish, but if you actually want to help the most amount of people, then you have to start with that. And then you can help the most amount of people.
0: And unfortunately – That's that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't blame this guy. I blame the system, of the system that's being created the, to that he – could do something like this. It's not, it's not his fault. I mean, it is his fault. He did do it, but it's the system that I'm. Well, mad I don't know at. what the other system you would be in, like, dude. I mean, you got these shares in
2: these companies. You got information to tell you the truth. I mean, you know for sure the guy probably would have been impeached or something if he would have put out the information to the press or something like that, like causing a panic, causing a worldwide panic. If something would have happened if he would have done that. He probably would have ended up in hanging from one of Hillary Clinton's closets or something like that. <laughs> so this, it wouldn't have been a good idea for him to go out and put that information out. Probably laws against that. But then what are you supposed to do? You hold all these stocks in these companies? Problems already there? Like you're just going to sit there and hold them and take the take the million dollar hit? Or are you going to sell your stocks? Like I don't know what else you would do. And that, and that point, there's there's problems before this problem created do? that have to be addressed. I would sell them if I had the information and I was not, let's say you're not legally allowed to share the information and say that you can't do that. But I was given the information and I had the stocks hundred times out of a hundred. I sell my stocks. What else am I I supposed to do? What good does it do every other investor, every other person with a retirement in the world for me to lose all the money with them? How did their, how did their lives get better? How how does that get better?
0: Somebody told you back in, you know, 2012, 2010, whenever it happened, that when Bitcoin was like five cents that it was going to go up you know a hundred million percent by the year what was it 2019, 2018, when all that happened mm-hmm. somewhere around there if somebody were to tell you that that was going to happen, would you not put all your money in there? I mean I would I would have taken every penny I owned and put it in Bitcoin and just waited for 2018 you know when and it if you would have been holding Bitcoin...
2: If you would have been holding Bitcoin at 17,000 and someone told you that uh, the great Bitcoin crash of 2018, 2019 was about to happen and they were going to put it out in the news report tomorrow, um, would you sell right now or would you wait and sell it after the news report comes out? What would you do? Honestly, what would you actually do? You know the answer. Don't be a liar. Come on. Don't. Don't be a liar. All right, guys. So we've been doing this stock class every single day and uh, Liberty Trading Academy yesterday, Blatant disregard. Uh, I lost all muscle control is all that's that's really all that happened. And uh, but today, really amazing. We got back on these strategies. We took three trades today, all three winning trades. Uh, Really good. We had about a 10 percent gain on our account today. So that's always good. I I enjoy it when that happens. Uh, Really, really good trades. I'll be doing a trade recap here in a minute. So if you guys are interested in how to pick these points in the market, Uh, How to get in on some moves and increase your own net wealth or at least be in control of your income or be in control of your retirement. You might want to check out the class. Okay, I'm not going to manage your retirement for you. I'm not a we're not money managers. We're just going to inform you so you can actually look at these charts and see the points where everyone else decided they were going to get out or where everyone else decided they were going to get in. 2 weeks ago, or whenever it was, March 13th, I posted in our trading group, the Dow can go all the way to 185. I said in the podcast that the Dow can go to 18 183 185 something like that. It went down to 182 yesterday and this morning when I looked at it it was up 10% from 185. Okay? That's a 10% pop. Off the Dow from a price point that I marked back on March 13th. I had no idea whether or not we were going to be testing for coronavirus. I didn't know what the numbers were going to be. I didn't know how many people were going to be dead, whether or not we we're going to be on lockdown. All I knew was that when the price got down to that point, we were going to see a pop off of it. Okay, so in that class, we are teaching people how to pick out those points. If you've never looked at a candlestick chart, Ever before, we're going to teach you how to do that, teach you how to analyze a chart, teach you how to pick these points, let you know what our strategies are all the way from the very beginning, don't even know a word yet, to being able to take some consistent trades. You can be a disciplined trader, you can make consistent profits, you can be making money while everyone else is losing money. And it's not a guarantee of income, by the way, just so you guys know in the SEC, that is not a guarantee of income, <laughs> but it is possible. It is very possible. So you can go to Master My Trades. Dot com, mastermytrades.com. We had a few new signups just a couple days ago. So people keep jumping in the class. And uh, if you are in the class and you're listening, hey, check your email, check the website. We get a private Facebook group for the people who are paying to watch live in the pre-market. We got a private Facebook group for everyone who's in the class. Make sure you're in there or you're not getting the full
0: value. Hey, Maurice, class. Maurice even said that if if all you were in the class, you would know when the crash was going to happen. Yeah, and 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 what it bounced off of, like you predicted. <laughs> yeah, we talked about at the beginning <laughs> of the show. Nate was like, "Oh, look, the Dow's going to come down right here to about eighteen five, and it bounced off eighteen two. You were three hundred points off. I mean, come on.
2: I think I said I'm going to have to go back and listen, but I think I said eighteen two or three at some point in time. You might have. I said I. I said eighteen five for sure, but it could go down to eighteen two or three. I can't. I'm gonna. i have to look back through the archives and see. It bounced but, right off of that. Somebody who's yeah.
0: doing the 214 episode challenge, please go back somewhere around <laughs> the 200 episode mark. I bet somewhere around there. Uh, go back and listen for us. See what you think. Um, but yeah, yeah. The, the good job, Maurice. Uh, also, he said uh, even. I like this comment a lot because I started thinking about Martha Stewart. Even if he goes to prison or these senators go to prison, which they won't, but even if they would, he said it's still cheaper to sell the stocks.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, I bet Martha's not mad that she went to prison for eight months or whatever no. it was, two years. No. Like, oh, I was still cheaper to sell. I mean, look at Wolf of Wall Street. I mean, that guy, Jordan Belfort, he's still, you know, panhandling his master classes and stuff, probably still rich as can be. <laughs> still cheaper to sell the stocks. <laughs>
2: yeah. He's not allowed to trade stocks anymore, but he can no. sell
0: a class right.
2: to everyone. So <laughs>
0: it's no big he's doing deal.
2: just fine. Martha Stewart, she's doing okay. You know, she, she took a hit for a, for a year or however long it was. And this guy, you know, maybe he'll get sued or something, or maybe he'll get impeached or whatever that is, whatever that process is. Hey, you know what? He took $1.7 million in profit a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, he's probably not that upset about it. Whatever yeah. the fine is, he's still going to come out ahead.
0: It's much cheaper. So, Oh, well, and the rules don't even really apply to the senators, which is just another. He just should ridiculous. just forget. He should just write a new rule and get it passed. But anyway, if you like Nate said, if you guys want to learn all this stuff, you need to get in mastermytrades.com. Go check it out. Let us know what you think of the class. Uh, Maurice has given some good feedback. Some other people are interacting with us. You guys need to interact with us in that class. Let us know what you think. Um, it's been a lot of fun to do for y'all. Nate has been working his tail off because I just assigned him everything. I'm like Nate. <laughs> just do all this. And he's like, yeah, no problem, boss. And (laughs) (laughs) yeah,
2: yeah, that's, that's how it goes. You
0: have, you have been doing uh, an amazing job and the class is is going really well. um, Surpassing uh, predictions, which is what we're good at. So um, go join it. Mastermytrades.com, learn what's happening and uh, learn how to make some money uh not a guaranteed amount but just learn how to make some money <laughs> uh the other way we we got the live stream back onto patreon nate has worked his master wizardry again i think you can close out of that floating box in the top right though you can just exit that out it won't it won't i was scared it within
2: the call, would end the call no, so I, I just left it there the whole
0: time i i, I exited <laughs> out of my floating box okay um but anyway nate has figured it out he even has a show notes up for you guys it's a pretty cool stream um, so if you want to be involved in that, then you go to patreon.com slash Liberty for as little as $5. You get the pre and post show, you get the live, you get all of that. Once we're back to normal, everything will be like we were doing a couple weeks ago, but right now we're in quarantine. Um, but you guys go check that out, go to patreon.com slash Liberty. Um, and that's all of the paid ways you support us because while this show is free, it costs us money to produce for you. So if you believe in Liberty, support it somehow uh, and do that through us and that's patreon.com patreon.com/ Morning Liberty the freeways I tell you guys this every time if you if you enjoyed this episode just share it with a friend tell somebody about it say hey I found out some good news on liberty and uh, in fact it's called good morning Liberty I don't it's good afternoon or good morning whatever doesn't matter just search for good morning Liberty in your favorite podcast app and you'll find us just tell all your friends that uh, maybe some people need to hear that both Democrats and Republicans suck. And if we can if we cannot let this good crisis go to waste <laughs> amidst <laughs> this crisis, you could figure out, well, yeah, neither side cares about us. And this is how we actually invoke change. This is how we can use this crisis to our advantage, which sounds terrible in a way, but it's really not. We're using it to our advantage to prove that neither Republicans or Democrats actually care about you. And so what we need to be pursuing is liberty. What, what would save the most amount of people in this pandemic is Liberty, people being free to make medicines, to take medicines, to try different remedies, all of that. That is what saves the most amount of people, the freer that you can be to try ideas, to trade with people, to have private property, to have all of these things. Then the, the more prosperous, the healthier, everything that people become, this is why we advocate for this stuff every single day. So share the show with a friend. If you guys do all of that. Oh, Leave us a rating and review. Do it right now. Don't stop, pause, and do it right now. Rating and review. Five stars if you think it's worth it. If you guys do all that, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you guys have a good day and a good morning. Liberty.
1: Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids.